0: The following conversation is intended for mature audiences only. Those under the age of 18 or without a sense of humor, listener discretion is advised. There are all sorts of ways in which we'd love to do this. Amping up the mic. You know what I'm saying? Damn! Yeah! You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm
1: saying?
0: Nothing to be serious about.
1: Amping up the mic. Okay. It's an interesting point. Come on, let's get the
0: character. All right, welcome back to the Mate Dates podcast. I'm joined once again by my lovely co host, Brayden. Brayden, I don't see your mask on. You're violating the new mandatory laws. We are in Victoria, which is, of course, the Florida of Australia. uh, And everyone, all of our neighbouring states hate us (laughs) for failing (laughs) to (laughs) contain the coronavirus. I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, when you compare it to, like, the United States, our cases are still pretty low. But don't you think it's, uh, don't you think, Victoria, we're we're feeling a little bit uh, isolated, alienated at the moment? Mm. Yeah,
1: like we're, we're like the black swan of yeah, the, the group of swans and everyone's pointing the finger at us saying this is why we can't have nice things or this is why we can't get back to normal.
0: Are we exactly where we started?
1: Like that, <laughs>
0: what, what you, where are where are we? Can you can you help explain cuz I at this point it's like, you know, who who was even speaking intelligently about what this is, where we are, where we're going? It just seems like, because, you know, for listeners who may be listening in the future, uh, we're basically back to original, you know, stage one lockdown here in Victoria. Um, stage one? Or is, is that the... Well, what is I that?
1: mean, I guess the correct term is stage three.
0: Okay. But, um, but essentially, we got okay. a little bit of our freedom back, and it was swiftly yeah. taken away once. <laughs> it was, I guess, abused by, by people who were, uh, you know, flouting the uh house you know you know, people having gatherings it's it's like you know i don't know people people need to do that stuff but like how do you make sense of this <laughs> basically the same it's, it's honestly
1: jay it's, it's a very interesting like uh perspective from a bystander you know if you're just watching this unfold it's like are we just running around in circles here it definitely does feel like that uh, and you know as as an uh, australian and Americans and Europeans alike, you know, the Western world, we all very much cherish our rights and our, our freedom. We think we have a lot of freedom in terms of, you know, you look at all cultures, we love to hug and shake hands and high five and make a lot of contact. Cause you know, we're very humanly people and love to make that and social people, you know, that's what I mean by that. We've seen this, we've seen this happen uh, overseas. We were told about this we were warned about this we knew about this from history that a second wave was going to come and it was almost inevitable given our need to be free right right like if, if you look at new zealand and and a lot of people are pointing fingers at new zealand saying they did it pretty well and they're pretty much out of it like and the the chances of a second wave are slim to none and why is that? What, what did they do that was different to everyone else?
0: Yeah, it's hard to know like how much of it is uh, like luck and circumstance, because Australia was kind of in that position uh, originally, where it did seem like we could get to some steady state of zero. But in retrospect, now that seems like a kind of absurd thing to think back then, because inevitably once the restrictions go away, which they did, that number you called this you definitely called this did i
1: (laughs) yeah you said as soon as the restrictions are lifted there's going to be a surge of cases
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i suppose i suppose it's obvious now and in you know looking back but yeah uh yeah go back to like
1: episode two you said it (laughs) I (laughs) it?
0: (laughs) i feel uh i feel no you know there's there's no joy in um predicting uh, you know... The apocalypse? Yeah, yeah, that's right, you know, there's no, there's no, um, well, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, happiness. I suppose. Uh, no, but yeah, no, I, I guess it's just, you know, it's just weird because you have this idea of society. I, I feel like our generation is, is, has been the first after the post-World War II era to have it be thrust completely into our everyday life, just how abnormal things are like there was just I I feel like you know our parents and our grandparents you were able to tell a story about how this is how the world is if you do x y and z you'll get to this place and then you have this uh, future you can look forward to where you're going to be supplying for you like there is a beginning middle and end to your journey in society and we could tell a coherent story about how that is going to play out and you know um Barring extraneous circumstances like war or anything like that, it's, it's mostly all right. But, you know, we hit with this pandemic and it's like we've, we've forgotten how to tell a story about the future and actually work towards getting there in a way that feels like we're doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is just like a, a prognosis of it. We'll, like, we'll lighten things up with rude. a bit of Seneca in the second part, but uh, yeah, since, it's, we're, since we're... It's Turn the tides. We need our stoicism <laughs> to get us through these these times, but uh, yeah. What do you definitely,
1: think? definitely? Yeah, that's what I'd like to think. More stoics, are, you know, more people are becoming stoic because of this. But I don't know. The, you have to have a lot of faith in the, the human race to <laughs> for that to happen. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, with the this is very memorable and um, uh, like prior to this, you have the global financial crisis. So I think. I guess that hit on a, a global
0: level. Yeah, uh,
1: we didn't really know much about it at the time. I suppose, like I don't know, I heard it in passing. Well, a- Australia, Australia wasn't was, hit uh, so hard. Yeah, that's yeah, right, that's
0: exactly right. Yeah, we were we were quite fortunate there under the uh, the guidance of uh, uh, good old Rudd. it was Rudd. Yeah, yeah. right at the time. Yeah, Kevin 07. That's right. That's it. Uh, the classic.
1: Yeah, so I guess you know, for us growing up in these times, you know, we're hit with like you said, just the everyday of of this is this is kind of like the heaven state right but where our ancestors and our forefathers were fighting on the forefront on the front lines of wars to get us where we are today right and we're born into this internet technological age where everything should be sweet and it's all like sorted out for us but I guess a lot of people have become complacent and the people in charge, the people that can actually make any kind of difference, uh, aren't being as proactive as possible given the fact that they've become so complacent in this idealistic world with all the conditions of finely tuned to suit our needs and to, you know, maximize happiness. and.
0: Right. Well, yeah, Like I think I did... I do remember saying this at the start of the... Um- of the kind of pandemic, like the fact that our parents, you would hear, or, or like, you know, people older would say things like, um, you know, this has never happened in our lifetime before. Like we've never, we've never seen anything like this. So it's like, oh, okay. So like, yeah, like basically you've just lived in a time of just massive hedonism where it's just the bubble's been so thick and, you know, because for ev- yeah. I'm not even saying this to disparage the Gen X's and the boomers. I'm just saying, cause you know, no one, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just to say that, like, any no, other I... generation of human being would have not had had that privilege. Like, if you look in any point in history, you would have seen war at least in one at one point in someone's life, or famine, or you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right? That's why they' that's why they're so symbolically uh, resonant because most generations of people would have had to deal with one of these things and with in the post world war II kind of western bubble we've just been so free of that mm. and so free of real problems that i totally agree with what you're saying about like complacency like everyone's just looking out for their job it's like we don't really have leaders like it's always i always find it funny where you know we have these marvel movies where we're worshiping these heroes but we don't even think heroes heroes exist in real life. Like we'll talk about, um, you know, Seneca and how he talks about Cato and and you know Socrates. The way he talks about them is like the way you would think you would you would actually want to talk about leaders, right? Like we've, I feel like a lot of us don't even think leadership is a real thing. Like it's it's a it's unfortunate, but we've we've become so jaded by our current uh, you know. There are exceptions, of course, but when the leader of the free world is doing a fucking product placement from the Oval Office, I don't know if you saw that, but literally he's standing there at his he's sitting there with at his desk with his um I can't remember the the company, but it was like cereal and juice mm-hmm. and he's like he's he's doing his cheesy uh, you know, ass-looking thumbs-up smile, like fucking. Oh, dude, it's like the president of the United States is doing a product placement, and I think it was because the guy, like you know, uh, the guy who runs the company, shouted him out on Twitter. So he's like, "Oh, I'll hook you up." But oh, like, right. like, like, like that, that—that <laughs> is—that's where we're at. Um, you know, the person who was supposed to be the symbol of lead- leadership in terms of freedom terms of like this is the country with all the power with all the money with all the resources to lead the world and not only you know has his performance been lackluster to say the least uh he's now doing fucking advertisements from that chair it's like you could could you (laughs) bastardize like that seat any more than than he already has well like you know let him try like he'll find out a way to so, I don't know. You should look that up when we're done because that, that was yeah. such a funny picture, man. It was, like, hilarious. <laughs> I'm very interested in that.
1: Dude, soon enough, he'll make his own, like, TV show, The White House oh, or something. Oh, my God. It's so sad. He, <laughs> he's still looking out for his hip pocket. Like, in, in all these times with everyone suffering, he can't lend a hand. He's still thinking about, oh, I can make a quick buck here or yeah. I can make a connection. Like... What's his connection with the serial guys going to do to stop the, like, help the pandemic?
0: Oh, like? yeah, because he's not he's not thinking like that. Like, it's not, no. you know, there was this myth, you know, when he initially got elected and also before he got elected because of the way he sort of played the Republican Party and, and sort of masterfully w- was able to infiltrate it and co-opt it. Um, by virtue of his ability to play on the rhetoric and appeal to issues that the voters and the base genuinely cared about. So there was this myth that, you know, maybe he's playing this seven-layer chess game, and then when he gets in office, he's going to actually show us he's a real genius uh, behind the scenes. Um, Like... It's just so obviously not true like he's just not capable of being that person it's not that he mm-hmm. it's not that he sees all the variables that you're describing about you know if i do this it's going to be great for the you know actually leading this uh fight against the pandemic um you know it would be so easy to be a hero right now in terms of like what he his position allows him to do um but he's just not capable he doesn't have the so the emotional intelligence the psychological capacity um, he doesn't have it. It's it's not as if he's choosing to not do it. He does not have it. Um, and, you know, it's coming out now that his niece, I think, just published a uh, a biography on him. And, you know, his mum was like, you know, berate him. He never got love from her. His father was a ruthless sociopath. So there was a time where little Donnie was, you know, just just a lovable kid that wanted some attention. And also, you can see that yeah, everything yeah. he does is for attention. Like he's, he's, he knew. He, that's the sad thing is that he wants love. <laughs> yeah, I guess.
1: Look, the baseline. You got to pity him for that. Like. Oh yeah, you're, absolutely. You're yeah. pity.
0: Well, of course, of course, he's a pitiful character, and that's what—that's <laughs> what I mean when I say like. But the only way that he got there mm-hmm. is that we forgot about what leadership actually was. Like mm. we accept this, this. Uh, I don't know. Well, it, and right. now
1: it's it's biting us on the ass, isn't it? Because, um, like you said, it's it's a very easy time to be a hero. And, yeah, yeah. Couldn't be you know, easy. It, it, Yeah. This this pandemic, which is not like, like immediately impacting himself, like he can actually really just take every all the in, all the information, all the intel, and just kind of like maybe put it on a chessboard and just go, this could go here or that. He has all the time in the world to think about it, but he's taken like seven months to do to well, wear a mask yeah right like, uh, it's like yeah, the whole yeah. time he was he
0: was against masks and he like, would purposefully not have it on in front of the cameras because that was like weakness or yes something. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah and now he's, he's done a 180 and he's like all right guess i'll wear a mask and then turns out coincidentally where being enforced to wear masks, so it just feels like it's coming from Trump and it's not coming from our government. <laughs> like, d- does our government have any
0: agency themselves? Like, well, dude, that's the thing as well. It's like, yeah, even though he's are we just clearly... a pawn on his chessboard? Yeah, we... <laughs> 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 on his seven layer three D <laughs> genius chess match. Yeah, no, like, like, yeah, that's right. Like, even though he's completely shown his incompetence. Um, that seat still has that amount of influence, I guess, in terms of what you're saying, but
1: yeah, yeah. It's I mean, his true true colors are shining through. Like you know, you really see who who someone is in these times, right? Yeah, and I think that's really that's really evident in the way he's reacting, the way he's behaving, the way he's doing serial commercials.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I actually saw that picture. and I thought it was like photoshopped, but
1: it's got yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I would think
1: so too. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I I don't, I don't. I really don't know. Like, if I was an American, I would just be like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Like, there are so right. many actual figures you can point to, where you say like, "Fuck, this person was a real leader. Like, they genuinely knew how to yeah. use rhetoric to bring people together." But yeah, it's just like, out but, of all the yeah. people, <laughs> so true. It's so true that there's an actual
1: like correlation of like intelligence and philosophically minded individual individuals and
0: you know what I think you know, it partly was as well is that Obama had that you know he like if you could imagine if this pandemic happened under Obama we would have gotten some brilliant like oratory right we would have gotten some amazing speeches and they would have been effective but I think a lot of people's problem with Obama and this really isn't Obama's fault um, it's more again the fault of the impotent bureaucracy that can't solve any problems. You know, he, he he was able to talk the talk, but in terms of actually fixing problems, he didn't do much. So I think a lot of, you know, those red state base Republicans heard all that rhetoric about helping the working class, help do, doing this, doing that. And then they look around and it's like, all oh, my family are dying of opioids or like, oh, my community's being ruined. Um, all my coal mining jobs are going away. No one's providing a solution. Well, who's this guy with the fucking. Thinly veined orange hair noodle, uh, you know, going on about. But he, like, maybe he's maybe he's a fucking maniac. But he's actually talking about helping me. So I'm going to put my chips in with him this time around. I think the most disappointing thing. I could understand that. I really can't. But the the most disappointing thing coming around to this part, and this is a good chance to segue into Seneca here, is that in 2020, I mean as I said before, in, in an era where it couldn't be easier to just be a competent leader who knows how to get shit done. That's what everyone wants. And our other option is a 80-year-old uh, <laughs> decomposing... Like, the combined age of these people, it's like 170 or something. Like, oh, what, what the Please. fuck? Like, and and, and I'll, I'll connect it to Seneca here, maybe we'll take a break in a sec, but he actually... I, I'm going to mention a quote later where... He essentially says something like, if you haven't figured out how to let go of your duties by the time you hit 50 or 60, it's like, if you can't die with peace, with, like, hugging your grandchildren, with actually figuring out what's meaningful in this life, if you're still so power-hungry by the time you're 80 that you can't let someone else take the reins, that you need to be in control and pull all the levers, like, that's that's not a happy life. That's not a life mm-hmm. worth striving for. Um, that
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like some straight delusion right there. Like, you're, you're intoxicated by power.
0: It's like me- megalomania. Yeah, it's like, what's the best thing for me to do in my late 80s? Run the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and this is a guy, by the way, Joe Biden, who's ran for president three other times and has lost every... Like, the American people have said constantly, we don't want you. Um, and just because <laughs> the... You know, the Democratic committee, the the establishment has said, okay, yep, we're fine with this decomposing soul. <laughs> does, it, does it not look completely fucking crazy to you from the Australian perspective looking in? It's like, what are you guys doing?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It continues to bemuse
0: me that... We are, Can't help
1: but feel embarrassed and ashamed for them, honestly.
0: Well, you know, so let me ask you this: before we get a break, do you do you see a possible future where there is something that happens? I mean, he's so old that like we could see the first debate, and there could just be like, like, what if they just aren't even coherent? Like, surely at that yeah. point, right. yeah, so surely at that point, someone's going to be like, "Look, we just need to pick someone else." Could you see? Anyone else? Uh, is there any way in which we're not stuck with a demented old person as as the leader of, of the free world?
1: It, it makes you wonder, honestly, because,
0: like you said, Obama's
1: shortcomings was he was able to talk the talk but not walk the walk. Seems like Trump's doing that to an exorbitant level and, you know, the 100,000 deaths of this virus and... All these numbers just look so bad that it's kind of like need this should be the the stats should be so alarming that the wake up call and the change to boot out these old incompetent fools is necessary and inevitable. You would feel like it's it's kind of written on the walls that this should happen, but I don't know. I guess you know the November election will will kind of shine She'll through.
0: The debates are going to be just so...
1: There might be just, like, Twitter posts in real life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you can capture everything, yeah, incoherent oh, well, Twitter I, post. like
0: I I don't know what to say. Like, am I looking forward to it? Well, not really. It's going to be horrific. But am I going to watch, like, every second of it? Absolutely. Like, with, like, the most... Um, I don't know get all your popcorn. It's like let's watch the, most the world. Highbrow. Yeah, let's watch the world burn It's like that's kind of like how <laughs> you have to approach it because and I and that's the only way to keep your sanity It's like what the hell mm-hmm. man um, Especially yeah. in a world as well where you know we're no longer so like you know China in the 1970s was not the China that exists today like we're not as geopolitically uh, isolated as we once were, you know, we're not as safe as we once were. There are so many uh, things that are potentially going to upend the liberal project of liberating people around the world to enjoy their best life, you know, because that's certainly mm-hmm. not something that that government stands for. So yeah, it's just like so. So who are we going? Who are we going to empower to address all of these problems in the future that are definitely going to arise, especially when TikTok now is Essentially spyware, and you have to tell all the thirteen-year-old girls who love that shit, like like it's crack cocaine, um, mm. to delete it off their phone. I mean, it's kind of genius, isn't it? In a, in a kind of yeah. super evil way, but you know, get it on all the kids' <laughs> phones, and the kids' phones are connected to the Wi-Fi, and Dad works for the government. Got all his DMs, boom. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like evil genius mastermind shit, to be honest, but.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's def- It's like diabolical. Tencent and Fortnite and like how appealing oh, yeah. that is for the same generation, the same demographic to pump money in and, you know, and they're getting more powerful and stuff. And it's almost like the same companies make TikTok as, as a way to go, now we want to look at you and get all your information that way. <laughs> Did
0: you ever take the TikTok
1: bill? <laughs> Never. Actually not. It's, it's surprising wow. because, yeah, if I was... You know, in high school, I would probably would have jumped on it. Like, I jumped on Snapchat and Instagram pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, But but have you actually seen any of the
0: TikToks, the talkers? What do you mean, like in in like you you
1: can go, (laughs) you can go on um, YouTube and just search TikTok, and then you'll get like the latest compilation.
0: Oh, okay, no, not really.
1: Oh, it's you should do it just out of just pure like curiosity. It's just fascinating what (laughs) these people think is funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, like, <okay. laughs> every every TikTok is like pretty much staged, it looks so fake like right. that guy was always going to turn around and say this or this guy was always going to react in that way the, the houses that they do it in are always like really nice looking houses, like they're all rich and they're just bored and trying to make memes but they're so cringy, it's hard <laughs> to watch, like you're just like, oh okay yeah, mm-hmm, that was, I guess that was yeah, funny, alright
0: yeah, I've I've actually seen a lot of that recently, where like you watch a like a short video on social media and it's so obviously fake, but people yeah don't like, I don't know people because I think we've we've just accepted that people are going to stage things for likes, you know. But but you know, I think both of us because we I don't know came to, of age just before this kind of all took over the world. Um, likes don't mean anything, so like, why like, what are you doing like? I don't, <laughs> You know, I guess the the ambition to be an influencer is so deep in uh, a lot of young people, and they think that if they, um, but you know, I can't, I can't put myself above that because, as you said, if I was in high school mm. doing the stupid shit that we were doing, trying to make each other laugh, of course you'd, you, we would have recorded a bunch of shit and put it up, and um, yeah, like. Hey. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's like it's like the need to be validated, and, yeah,
1: and like yeah, yeah, it is
0: approved
1: by your peers. It, that's the likes. That's what that oh, is, yeah. really.
0: Absolutely, yeah. and yeah, and I think as well, when you're young, you confuse notoriety for, or rather, you 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 can conflate yeah. infamy with fame. Like you just think if people are looking at you, that's all that's all that needs to happen. Whereas You realize later on that infamy is not something you want. You know, notoriety for notoriety's sake is not good. (laughs) Like, Mm. um, you know, Britney Spears and and shit like that, where people's lives just get completely ruined, and you end up shaving your head like me. So, you know, (laughs) it happens. Well,
1: you haven't you haven't cried in front of the cameras yet. True,
0: I haven't had any nip slips recently. Well, (laughs) not recently. (laughs) Not recently. (laughs) <laughs> Alright, let's take a quick little breather and we'll go into some philosophy, some Setica. To the Mate Dates podcast. In this segment of the show, I'm going to talk about Seneca, who is a very well-known Stoic philosopher. I think he's kind of, uh, I don't know, had some resurgence. I mean, the Stoic kind of uh, documents in general with Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus, they've, they've, they've had a kind of renaissance. And I think Seneca in particular is quite enjoyed by many people because. You know, if you look into his life, it was relatively tumultuous. You know, we're not going to get into the history here, but look it up if you're interested. He ended up committing suicide by command of his uh, emperor Nero at the time, who he was tutoring, um, and, and Nero was, you know, infamously one of the tyrants of, of Rome towards the end of the empire. Um, you know, killed his, I think, mother-in-law, executed her, um, just a all-around crazy guy. And I think the reason why Seneca's writings, and especially his letters to Lucilius, seem to resonate with a lot of people, even though he didn't necessarily live with all of his ideals at all moments of his life. You know, he had many scandals of adultery and things like this. But he writes uh, really well in terms of resisting hedonism, I think. And I think that really rings true in an age where Hedonism is the norm, and it's even projected onto you to some extent by materialistic culture, right? Buy this, do this, eat this, shit this. Um, so I think that's why, Well, that's for me anyway, why it, it, it definitely seems as if a lot of young men in particular uh, resonate with the Stoic ideals um, in today's era, because we sort of all realize, at least implicitly, this sort of hedonistic culture that's being inflicted on us um, and so we're going to look at a few of his uh, essays, a few of his letters, and uh, dive into some stuff. And mm-hmm. to set this up, I think you you found a post on Reddit that will provide a few nice kind of starting questions to explore Seneca's ideas. So do you want to want to bring that up? Yeah, sure. I mean, so this kind of
1: deals with the fact that a lot of people our age. I mean, this Reddit post was. Uh, created by a 24 year old male and uh, we'd love to bring in um, Alan Watts's the backwards law right here if um, you do if you will indulge me <laughs> um, I, I have mentioned this to you before and it's interesting yeah. because you uh, pointed me in the Alan Watts direction just to, just to take it way right off topic and you know we talk about Seneca we'll, we will bring it back to Seneca I'm sure but um, you see the backwards law is one where one where uh, wanting a positive experience is a negative experience, and uh, contrastingly, accepting a negative experience is a positive experience. So, with that and with the fact that a lot of us want confidence, it highlights the fact that we don't have it, and therefore makes us feel more impoverished, and uh, it has the opposite effect, right, that, that what you're actually going for. If you want to feel confident, don't just sit there wanting to feel confident. Actually take some actions to pave that way and to actually make a a real path to confidence rather than wishing it upon you right yes yeah and um you know it actually impacts every aspect uh, the more you think about it so the the more you you desperately want to be rich the more poor and unworthy you will feel regardless of how much money you actually make i think that that last part is the, the most important part because uh it doesn't matter how much money you're making and the money that you actually make could be uh, very satisfying for for one person, and yet the same amount of money that you're making is making you poor. So right. it's, that it's very fascinating.
0: It's a common that, uh, theme in Seneca's writings, which you're kind of alluding to, is this idea that like you spend a lot of time. You, you could you could spend your whole life being consumed by frivolous things, and you know whether it's power or money, like what you just said. Or, or status you could spend your whole lifetime trying to get those things but what you will discover if you if you are obsessed with the kind of surface level you know things that are at play as opposed to something like virtual wisdom which is something that Seneca holds in much higher regard you know there is a sense in which you'll never be satisfied right it's like it's like a hunger that cannot be satiated in that way um, so, so look yeah. At, what, what, what subreddit was this from? Is there a specific uh, area? Um, it was
1: actually uh, just Confident. Confidence. confidence. Is, that, is
0: that a subreddit? Just confidence.
1: It's a confident. It's wow. a subreddit. Um, yeah, I Check follow a lot of really. I follow a lot of really weird ones, but yeah, that. I mean, they're very specific, right? But um, yeah, that one. It uh, try to, the community there tries to point people who lack confidence on the right path to get it or to. Kind of make them realize that confidence is not as far away as you might it might seem to you.
0: Right. 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 right.
1: So yeah, this 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 post. Let's bring it back to the post. So, um, you know, the, the question is, does confidence come slowly or does it hit like a wave? And the the user was bsbt twenty oh, nineteen. So shout out. yeah, shout out. Just you know, full credit uh, stealing your content. Uh, No, I mean, if this guy, if he's listening to... Yeah. If he's listening to us... He's getting an answer.
0: He's getting an answer.
1: Yeah. yeah, We're giving him the attention he wants and he's looking for answers. So here we go. So, you know, I'll set the scene. So he, he makes his bed every morning. He started to wake up earlier. He's exercising. He's eating healthy. He's actually lost a lot of weight. You know, he's transforming his life around and thinking, what would a confident person do? And he's doing those things, kind of thing. Uh, he, he's focusing on dressing well. He's being well groomed, and so he's doing all these things. But he still doesn't feel like there's any confidence arising. He still kind of feels uh, a sense of emptiness and a void there. Uh, I guess there's still some self-doubt, and um, and so yeah, like the um, to bring in Seneca here, uh, he says that the artist may have all his colors prepared but he cannot produce a likeness unless he has already made up his mind what he wishes to paint so i feel like he's he's got all his colors there the ingredients are there he's done a really good job at making those important changes and cultivating healthy habits but and another thing is you know he's like a lot of us in quarantine and unable to put his newfound perspective in in practice so he actually uh points out that he, he would like to talk to girls more so that's kind of his uh i mean that's a
0: pretty common one i think yeah right
1: yeah so so that's kind of his goal and he has said that but he hasn't actually been able to see how he would handle that situation as yet
0: it's a funny um, um paradox mm-hmm. isn't it because on the one hand you can you can see what he's saying but on the other hand you're kind of aware that the solution is just to forget all of the baggage that you're kind of carrying around right like it's a weird it's a weird um position to be in when you are the person who's who's kind of stuck in that and and like you you could apply that to other things right it's not just confidence it's like um feelings of uh loneliness right you could feel lonely um because you know you don't have as many friends as you want to have or, or maybe you're not in a relationship and you're craving a kind of, you know, romantic involvement with another sapien such as yourself. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the paradox is that, you know, if you're able to just drop those feelings, and I don't mean drop as in like callously and coldly just turn yourself into a stone Buddha, right? I mean more like, if you're able to see your psychological suffering from whatever emotion you feel like you lack, um, or for whatever virtue you feel like you lack confidence strength courage whatever uh, part of the remedy is is obviously bettering yourself and so it sounds like this is is doing that you know dieting and exercising all that's amazing and that'll get you to where you're going but the ultimate goal is is to just be free of those feelings right and mm. you know exercise and dieting these are all ways of of pulling your mind off of the usual vices of slothfulness or or of um, indulgence in food or just uh, indulgence in anything alcohol whatever it is just an over-reliance on something like that or or you can even be indulging in your feelings of i'm unconfident and i'm this person and there might be a perverse pleasure in identifying as a, a kind of victim of that right but yeah
1: that that becomes very paradoxical, I feel, because yeah, yeah. you're, you're, um, you're like you said, indulging in the fact that you're not that, so uh, you don't want to be that. So it yeah, it just it just becomes very kind of unnecessarily complicated for, you know, lack of a it can it can
0: and and the thing is is that you feel the lacking more than you feel anything else. Like there's a there's yes. a part here. So you quoted um, from one of Seneca's essays called "On the Supreme Good." And it's where he kind of lays out his idea that there aren't things that are good and bad, it's, it's more or less our attitude that determines our level of virtue. And so he says something like, you know, to recline at a banquet would be quite evil, but to recline on the torture rack as one is being tortured is a good. Now, there's a, there's a kind of interesting metaphor there, because like, you're at a banquet, you're sort of leaning back on your chair... You know, like, I don't give a fuck, and it kind of gives off this attitude that you have all the things you need, and yet you're you're still indifferent. Whereas if you're being tortured, the expected response is to, you know, allow your mind to become muddy and and to become a slave to this person who's inflicting the suffering on you. But if you're able to recline on a torture rack and sort of just be like, ah, yep, do what you're going to do, I'm fine, I'm happy there's so I, I feel like that whole uh, letter that he, Seneca writes in the supreme good is all about pointing to the fact that virtue is something that comes from within it's it's an attitude of being able to approach both fortune and folly with a sense of being above it right you're not you're not even because Seneca a lot of Seneca's writings as well he is very he's very aware of this is why i mentioned the hedonism thing he's very aware of how fortune can sort of create a kind of cushiony human right he's very aware that like suffering and and hardship all of that is what creates virtue in terms of being able to stand the the whims of time and 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 the changes of fortune that we all have to go through like he says Uh, Here to Lucilius, quote, Rouse yourself, most excellent Lucilius, and leave off this wordplay of the philosophers who reduce a most glorious subject to a matter of syllables, and lower and wear out the soul by teaching fragments. Then you'll become like the men who discovered these precepts, instead of those who are, by their teaching, do their best to make philosophy seem difficult rather than great. End quote. So he's sort of saying they're like, you know, all these people are talking about courage, and all these people are selling... You know, because a lot of in you know, in ancient Rome and ancient Greek, people would be teachers, right? Sophists, and people would pay to hear them. You know what they have to say, what they're preaching. And he's essentially saying there, like a lot of people are preaching this, but if you want to actually get this, you have to be like the men who discovered it in the first place. So the men who actually showed courage by fighting on the battlefield and or or having honor for one's countrymen and saving them or whatever. Like you have to actually do those things. You don't just get to. Sit in a classroom, and then all of a sudden, you're confident, right? If you want to be confident, you have to do these things. You have to you have to pull yourself out of the mental cage that you've sort of built for your cushy little identity or your ego, or whatever it is, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I think you know, even just to bring it back to the uh, Reddit post, uh, it like with with these with these healthy habits I was talking about, it's kind of like the confidence is more better to uh f- fabricate there because there's less vulnerabilities i guess in the, in that sense it's more the vulnerabilities can come from kind of this uh non-virtuous living and to live with us with a way that is and you know it is wrong and so you can if, if you've got everything in the in your house like, sorted, you can go outside in the world and not war- not have anything that can actually destroy you and can actually, like, crumble you. I, I guess, like, what I mean as well is, like, the, the more you are dependent on... You actually, br- you actually uh, talked on this just before. Um, you know, the more you are dependent on the praise of others, the more susceptible you are to crumbling at their criticism as well. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of like... This this idea that you know yourself. So anything that is going to happen outside of that doesn't have the ability to strike you down, and you can continue with a chest in the air. That's really good. It actually like this is um the there's a lot of Buddhist crossover here with um yeah you know when when you're reclining in the torture rack um and kind of being indifferent to this. Uh, it's very similar to the uh, to that Buddhist monk who self-immolated and right. lighted himself on fire in terms of out of protest, and he really showed no reaction to the flames licking at his skin.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right because Buddhism and Stoicism just has a lot of harmony in that they both say that to as you as you alluded to, like to be susceptible to. The whims of, just fortune, to be to be impressed upon by other people in that way. Yeah, Stoicism and Buddhism both say that your your most powerful thing is your own mind. In terms of psychological health for the individual, it's all about your approach. It's all about your attitude. And really, no one can give you that. It's all about you figuring mm. that out. And you know, just after that quote about the um about the rack, he says reclining at a banquet is evil while reclining on the rack is a good if the former act is done in a shameful and the latter in an honorable manner it is not the material that makes these actions good or bad it is the virtue all acts in which virtue has disclosed itself are of the same measure and value so he really does think that like if if you are if you'd be nice to your torturer it's like the ultimate insult it's like you, even when you even when you have me in this position and you've made my mud you've made my brain into this uh slavish muddy mess that's sort of like unable to think clearly i'm still not gonna allow it's like it's like not allowing that person to have control of your soul and maybe that's like that's like the most ideal of ideals right i mean who can honestly say that if they were being tortured that they could actually resist that in that in that matter i mean could you do you think you could... It's not
1: even... I guess, like, the resistance would be... To resist torture would be to scream out and uh, demand that you that, that the torturer would stop. Right, but...
0: Right? I think that, I think that's that's the, exactly uh, what the torturer wants. That's what he wants, exactly. So, like, what is saying is that being able to withstand it... I mean, this is what hunger strikes are about, isn't it? This is what... You know, like... Yeah. There is a sense in which if you accept your death your obliteration your annihilation like it's, it's inevitable it's going to happen um, which seneca definitely does it's part of the stoic ideology is just to be very aware of your inevitable annihilation that mm-hmm. is a kind of superpower because it prevents the threat of annihilation that others may impose on you from having any influence oh yeah yeah uh, so actually I, like wanted, I wanted to bring this one up too so mm-hmm. so this is um he did this uh kind of long essay called on the shortness of life and it's where he talks about how he is very much of the opinion that life you know he he actually kind of did it in response he, he mentions Aristotle at the start and says it's kind of a shameful thing that even Aristotle was was brought in by this nonsense about how life is short um, and not long right but mm-hmm. Seneca is kind of disgusted by this idea because he thinks that life isn't short at all it's just that We spend a lot of our time squandering what we have here, as opposed to having some supreme good, right? The supreme good in Seneca's mind is our ideals and the ultimate goal of where we think our lives should be heading. But a lot of us live without that. A lot of us live, much of the time, I can even speak for myself, like, though I have some idea of where my life is is going and the things that I'd like to do, there are many, you know, if you, if you poked me at any specific point, there are many points where I'm doing things counterintuitive to that ultimate ideal simply because I've forgotten it or I'm distracted by some other vice, right? Uh, so that happens even within an individual who is aware of the supreme good. You can endlessly forget and, and, and fall down rabbit holes that you need to pull yourself back out of and get back on the track and get back to the gym or whatever it is, right? And I think this is a very interesting way of looking at your time here i think that's it's a very different approach to say you know if you say life is short it's weird isn't it because it just seems like you're you don't value your time like you should because if you did value your time it would be as long as you need it to be and and seneca actually says this he says quote and this is kind of the reference to joe biden and donald trump here both uh elderly grandpas running for the most powerful seat on the planet quote Yet many have that same attitude, and their desire for work lasts longer than their capacity for it. The law does not draft a soldier after 50. It doesn't require a senator's attendance after 60. It is harder for people to obtain retirement from themselves than from the law. And he actually goes on to mention this anecdote about um, another famous Roman. So let me, let me give you this, and then I'd love to hear what you think about it. Quote, Gaius Tyrannius was an old man of proven diligence who was past 90 when, on the Emperor's initiative, he was granted retirement from his administrative post by Gaius Caesar. He gave instructions for himself to be laid out on his bed and to be mourned by his assembled household as if he were dead. The house lamented its elderly master's unemployment and didn't cease their mourning until his job was restored to him. Is it really such a pleasure to die preoccupied? And he finishes with the question there. Um, so essentially, this guy, right? Like he was in service his whole life. He gets to ninety. Caesar says, "Okay, we're done. Like you can you can go retire now. Live, enjoy the rest of your life. Right? That's what retirement's supposed to be." And this <laughs> guy, 90, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This guy lays down in his house and tells all of his servants to pretend as if he's dead, like it's a funeral, until he gets until it's like a protest, until he gets his job back. Um, and it's like this thing where like a lot of men in our culture feel this too, where they lose their job and they have no purpose. It's like well, what what were you doing this whole time? Like, cause th- because to me, the job is like a means to an end. It's, it's it's to facilitate your ability to do actual things, like create something cool or to uh, facilitate more social relationships and to mentor people and to hug your grandchildren if you're so fortunate to have them. Like, You shouldn't be so obsessed with the means that that becomes your only meaning. So what do you, what do you think about that anecdote? Well put. Though?
1: Yeah, well said. <laughs> You shouldn't be obsessed with the means, for it to become your only meaning. Yeah, I like that. I once heard a long time ago, um, you mustn't, you must work to live, not live to
0: work. Yeah, right. Well, that's and it, that's kind of yeah. that as well, isn't it? Yeah,
1: <laughs> pretty straightforward. That, that's, exa- that's exactly that as well.
0: But imagine it's being uh, like- so so like attached to your job that when you you're told to retire, you just you're just like, well, I may as well just role play as being dead. Oh wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. Um, what do you think? It's very, it's very obvious when you look at it from a, from it, from the objective perspective that, that is just sad. That is just you know like, your life is completely consumed by your job, and when that happens, you kind of lose your identity, you lose your sense mm. of self. Like you, your you job owns that. Yeah, your job is like yeah, and it's you know, really it should just be a, an aspect of your life. I mean, that's where that work-life balance has come into it um, as of the 20th century and the eight-hour wo- eight working days. You know, that was all in favor and, and of a better and more balanced life, you know. Eight right. hours to sleep out, eight hours to work, eight hours to play or, like, c- pursue your own hobbies. Like, I mean, that's that's where we were had like come from right? Like if you even think about the hunter gatherers, none of them were just working constantly, tirelessly, and they they their relationships were probably the most important thing to them. And you know, um, even even like back then, and it's it's so easy to glorify it, but um, you know that they, they would only work work. What is that? as a yeah, hunter-gatherer. That's, that's
0: what I was going to say, too. Like, work as a concept. Like, w- we work because um, we we are essentially paying with time for, a uh, thing, money. But work in the hunter-gatherer society isn't, like, anything like that. It's just, hey, we need to fucking live. Like, yeah, right. And, like, you know, you, some days would be harder, but
1: yeah, a lot of the days would be a lot easier but to also, kind of get you, by you and get
0: fruits. enough food. You got, you got the yeah. fruits of your labour. Like, it actually felt like it, it, there was the, the level of accomplishment would have been so much more magnified right because you, you're genuinely providing for yourself like if you don't go to work there are there is no fucking food for the village you know <laughs>
1: like yeah both. definitely yeah well that's it and um so you know it's just, it's very unnatural it yeah. goes against our human nature to devote ourselves so so tirelessly and stuff but how but on the other hand, you know, attractive. Look to play to play devil's advocate on that. Like uh, you know, you think of uh, crunch culture uh, in video games and the development of them, and you know, like that. There, in one sense, there is a, a whip get getting cracked on them, but in another sense, it's like, well, they're passionate, right? They just want to make sure that the game works and runs well and reflects well upon them. So, you know, is it so? Is it so um, demonized to have a hobby to? Right. to actually just have a passion project and work a lot for one period and then take a big break after that like i guess that's kind of like what they're working for break but
0: right yeah i think the mm. part of the problem is is that like it's like there's no coherent like seneca's really talking about cohe- living a coherent life like you know yeah you, you could you could work yourself to the grave and love every minute of it, I suppose, and that and that would be fine on, on Seneca's point of view. But I think what Seneca's saying is something much deeper, which is that like no one enjoys um, to be power hungry at ninety to to still be craving that kind of power um, over other people um, to not to not have the sense that the, the that the baton needs to be passed. Like that's what I'm saying with fucking what? Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Like to be so um, needlessly. Consumed by those roles, and then simultaneously allow all of like it's a kind of vice, isn't it? Like it's 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 on par with like eating too much ice cream or just like being so consumed by sex that you can't even look any woman in the eye. You just like immediately get thrown into some (coughs) lustful thing, right? Like that's kind of what how I see it, and I think that's how Seneca sees it too. Like he says, "quote here." This is again from the shortness of life. In reality, your life, even if you live a thousand years and more, will be compressed into the merest span of time. Those vices of yours will swallow up any number of lifetimes, and I just feel like that—that's just another vice. Like I'm, the only way to 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 live on Seneca's view here is to actually use your time with with more with a greater sense of awareness that it will end, and there are there are. Things that are just, you know, I think hugging your grandkids is one of them. I don't, I don't understand why. It's like, it's like society hasn't talked nearly enough about how to age with grace, like how to, how to die with grace, how to die with dignity. That's what Seneca's thinking a lot about, and so he doesn't think it's dignified at all to die on the job because to him it's like, well, the job should have been done. Like, your death should be a whole another process of you. And he actually says at one point too. I don't think I pulled the quote, but he says something like. Um, you know, all these old men aspire, and they, they they never stop talking about their, you know, a leisure time which is going to come. They they they're so looking forward to it, but yet when their lives come to an end, they leave it kicking and screaming as if they didn't get enough. They did they didn't get enough time. Yeah. But his whole point is that well, look at look at how you spent your time. If you got more time, you would have just done that. So so that's what he means by like, compressed uh, a thousand years would be compressed into the mirror span of times. Like that rings so true to me because. You know, your vices are just this... Just completely unsatisfying impulses to just keep doing something. But I want to ask you this, because there's a tension here with Seneca. Where he says a lot about time and how valuable it is and how, you know, we've got to spend our lives here doing... We've got to live, right? He says um, existing is not the same as living. So many old people yeah. have just existed long, but they, they haven't really lived. So he kind of distinguishes there. But then, he, I don't know how much he, uh, of, of a dive you he, he did here, but... He talks a lot about the right time to die. And he talks a lot about he has this letter to Lucilius called uh On the Proper Time to Slip the Cable. And, oh yeah. And, I did I did go over that one. Okay, so <laughs> I was thinking about this before before we recorded. I was like, well, there's a weird tension because he talks about that, but then on the other hand, he does think that there's some merit to suicide. Like there's some uh there's some like yeah, mm. in 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 doing that, and and of course it rings true because that's what he did. That's that's he killed himself um, at the behest of his emperor. Um, so I don't know. Do you, do you think that's a are those things in contradiction a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's quite interesting. Well, I mean, throughout all of it, the through line is that he's very well aware of his own mortality and that his own time is finite and to cut it short is interesting I I see what you mean but you know he his main point there was he doesn't want to do another person's work right He doesn't want to like like when you know your death is in the next couple days just living and like existing from from that point onward would be to do another person's work another man's work and I guess you know That's the dignity. That's him going, well, you know, I'm not going to give you that privilege. I'm not going to give you that pleasure to do that. Like, it's kind of like with the torture rack, if you are indifferent to it, then you're not doing his work, right? You're not actually giving him it. You're not actually fueling any of his pleasure by, like, not reacting.
0: If your torturer was uh, the sadistic type, yeah. Which I suppose most of them would be. I mean, kind of it's a self-selecting yeah. job, isn't it?
1: No, definitely. Like the torturer <laughs> is looking to get something out of it. They're not just doing it. You know, I
0: I, I think that would be like a good uh, like I don't know comedy skit, like a squeamish torturer, <laughs> like yeah. like, uh, be like I'm gonna to like, to cut you floor. now. <laughs> like, oh, I don't like it. Um, but yeah, sounds like, like British comedy right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that, that that's very interesting. Like the way the way you brought that up. Mm. I what? never really didn't really think of that, but yeah, I guess look he he ended up uh, committing suicide. So that is, you know, he's got to justify it some in some sense.
0: Well, I guess it's like on the one hand, there is this stoic appreciation of death that I respect, but there is something to be said about like you said before about romanticizing um, our our hunter-gatherer. Ancestors, right? Because we do that all the time now, where it's like, oh, we'll have together. So, but like, in honesty, <laughs> in, like, would like, you want to swap places, right? If we if we could do a deal right now with the with the genie and say, okay, well, we're going to swap you out with uh Char over there, and in, in fucking you know, four hundred BC or whatever, um, and you're going to have to kill and hunt and and basically be much less comfortable than you are now. It's like, do you take mm. that deal? Um, Probably not, right? Because because for all of modern society's, as I mentioned before, hedonistic faults, there are you know you don't want to be swapping places, as simple as that, right? And so, but so I think there's something also here with the Stoics where is there something to be said about romanticizing death? And it feels like Seneca, you know, I mean, there are people in the Holocaust, right, that that didn't take an opportunity to check out. And if, you, and if you prod them today and say, I mean, they're all very old now. But there are stories about people in, in you know, Jewish concentration camps during that time who, who managed to, like, live happy lives. There are stories about people who were able to, like, get up. Hey, John, how you doing? And I think if you're Seneca and you're, you're kind of constantly thinking about, is this the right time to slip? Is this the right time to slip the cable? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. um, the problem with that is I, I can actually, I can... I can accept that there's some merit to the idea that there's there's a right time to die. That sort of makes sense to me, or or that there is a maybe a right cause to die for. Like I'm not going to allow someone to um, control me in a, in a in an oppressive way, and I'm willing to die for that. Right, something like that. Um, yeah, having that idea. Inter- or-
1: yeah, just just an interjection there. Like, and even if it were a statement and a message to make upon behalf of a huge population, you know, you, all your people, you know, if you, if your life was able to be sacrificed in order to better and to make a really powerful mm. statement to the rest of, you know, your people, then right. it might be worth it. That that's easily justifiable. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's that brings it back to like you know the the buddhas who would you know incinerate themselves and do so without a scream, right? Um. So, but yeah, but, so, but the problem is, is that. Like let's say let's say you're in uh, a concentration camp and you're sort of you're sort of ruminating on this idea. Well, my life sucks. I'm um, I'm basically a slave. Or like even if you are a slave, I mean, do you do you entertain that idea? It feels like it it contradicts Seneca's point about being um, uninfluenced by the whims of mm. like bad circumstances, right? It feels like you could use Seneca against Seneca and say, well, no, because you don't really know where things could go. You don't know if the next day something like the Americans are gonna bust in and say, we are freed you, like you're all good and you committed suicide that the other day because you thought so so you never really know what circumstances you're in. And so it seems like Seneca's idea that there is a right time to do that if, if your circumstances and well being get so bad that you that you should do that. It seems like that maybe contradicts what he said about reclining on the rack, right? Um, true, true. What do you What do you make it's, of that no, tension there? I don't know.
1: Pretty, that's a pretty fair point to make. Um, and you know, like the it, it pretty, it's a common theme that stoicism is not nihilism, right? And right. Does does, does nihilism?
0: Uh, does nihil- sorry, I just mm-hmm. wanted to because that's interesting. Just. just um, Distinguishing thing, does nihilism yeah. romanticize death? Do you think? Yes. Yeah, I think it does, right?
1: Yeah, well, you know, the nihilist would say nothing matters, so why am I here? Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, what's the point of me
1: living another day, type thing? So, yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't think there's obviously no nihilistic, real religion that will tell you, yeah, you slip the cable <laughs> now, and you know tomorrow you'll be in another wonderful land you know the heavenly realms so so it's important to um to acknowledge that stoicism is not nihilism so it must be more of an optimistic outlook right so yeah it is kind of that you've brought that to my attention it's very contradictory if he is saying you should value your time and you shouldn't be deterred by or perturbed by like anything that goes on around you because you know you so yeah but it yeah it, i don't know it just seems to me from that um piece that he wrote it was more on the case that he didn't want to do it for other people
0: right yeah i think i think yeah. that's right yeah um he doesn't want his body to be used as a means to an end for for someone else um i think that's right mm. and you can imagine like this is why the argument makes sense like you can imagine what being like a sex slave or something it's like there are, there are definitely circumstances you could picture where it's like, I would much rather just non-existence. Um, but the, the, the problem is, is that, yeah, you just don't know what could happen next, right? The future is this indeterminate thing. And it seems like the, the argument against suicide is always that you just don't know what could happen next. And so your yeah. external circumstances are always going to be changing and... Just because you're stuck in some awful situation of suffering now doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be that way forever. In fact, it's reliably probably not going to be that way forever. Um, Yeah, because things are impermanent, right? Everything's impermanent. Right, especially if you're you're living in a world where hopefully, you know, I mean, one does not want to be born in, in an impoverished country or something like that. But if you're living in a world that's making strides towards creating a good life for all individuals and all people, uh, and and sort of trying to spread those human rights as much as possible, um, yeah, who knows? Like, who knows where yeah. life could get better or or anything like that. But I also think no, as well that if you accept if you accept the idea of suicide, like, so see, so it's it's a, it's a distinguishing thing, isn't it? Like, it's one thing to say that we should embrace death and annihilation because it's going to happen anyway. So accept it and don't allow other people to coerce you with the threat of it because you've already accepted it. It's gonna happen at some point. So make sure you it's a good hill that you're gonna die on. Make sure when when the opportunity for someone to exploit you arises and you have to make that choice, make sure you make the right choice, right? That you can live with. <laughs> um, but yeah. so so that's one thing. But it's different to say that you should be kind of actively searching for the right time to to sort of martyr yourself, right? You can, there's a kind of other lane to it where you can become death obsessed and death and very romantic about it. Um, I guess. And I think I uh, I guess I've been thinking about it more recently. I've been playing with that tension more recently because don't do it, Jay. No, it no, wasn't. Well, <laughs> not in um. Not in any negative way. Just that, like, it's uh, it's a double-edged sword. It's it's like this thing where um, there is so much psychological benefit to the idea of liberating yourself from death and, and just accepting that it is because so many people suffer just from the concept of death. Right? Mm. If you get out of that, you're you're doing you've already made some strides towards gaining a sense of character and actually being able to stand for things you really want to stand for. But then simultaneously, that's why the concept of martyr, of a martyr exists. That's why, because you have people that are so hungry for that, so hungry to stand, and so hungry to die for something, that you can become the opposite of, of, and that's also a distraction from living a life that's meaningful and spending your time, um, like Seneca says, using your time as a very rich resource of your well-being and not letting other people squander it you know just by virtue of influencing you in a way that you don't particularly enjoy i suppose mm,
1: yeah i mean i mean uh, just to bring it back to something you said earlier we're on the topic of um work and how people can become so self-obsessed and become so intoxicated with their work even at 90 years old it's like you know that's that's got to be a, a, a wake-up call or an indication that you should be not focusing on the thing that you've been focusing on the last 90 years but actually figuring out maybe there's more to life maybe there is something else I can do with my time on this earth right yeah and um I think you know I, I've been listening to uh Jordan and Neil podcast uh Neil and Jordan I think it is yeah um and they talked about the the downfall of civilizations and like how this has happened before, and the one kind of common factor between all of these uh, the the civilization downfalls is decadence, and the mm. the fact that we become too self obsessed and don't really see the bigger picture. We become too narrow minded and.
0: Well, I mean, look, like what what are we talking about? Like, like just look at the look at the political dialogue about what we are talking about versus what the mm. fucking world is actually going on. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I I, I, I <laughs> sorry. sorry, but but on. I think
1: look, I think, and Seneca points to this as well, right? Like, it's it's like you got to value your time and uh, you know, not not uh, work yourself to death and. and and uh, yeah, what, what did you say? Yeah, like if you're to die when you're working, is that really an yeah, ideal he way he to said, go?
0: Um, he says, you know, is it is it really best to die while preoccupied? That's it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I think you know the there's the evil and threatening part of that is that when you, if that were to happen. Did you really pass on all of this great knowledge and all of right. this wisdom that you have accumulated over your time, over the, the years that you've been able to spend here? Did you really pass on that knowledge to benefit the world after you're gone? And that's the thing, right? Like, that's when it becomes really narrow-minded and, and you know, uh, short-term thinking Yes, is when you're only really worried about yourself and you're only really worried about your life Because it's almost like you're thinking that When you die The world dies because it ceases to matter It's like the the ego Has been inflated so much that um, It's the world Like it doesn't I don't know, you are the world Everything revolves around you type thing Whereas no, the world existed before you were here And it will exist After you're here You're just here as a small percentage Of the human continuum right? Right? Like. You're here playing this part right now, but then, it's it, yeah.
0: It's just you, you've been you're, you're just a part of
1: the story,
0: right? And that that's um, I mean that's an obvious but necessary step that you need to take. It just seems like so many of these people don't get there, or it seems like, or rather put it put it another way, our modern society has not found a way to actually inculcate that lesson in our um adults, but also in our people who are elderly and and who are transitioning out of adult of of you know um, sort of constantly working and, and this stuff like like we don't have a, a clean method of like of of sharing that and I guess it's supposed to be children like you're supposed to have kids and then th- that's supposed to be the human program for immortality right that's, yeah right, that's, right. That's, but, it, but you, you it's but it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like Donald Trump has like seven kids. Like it's it's not working. Like mm. it's hard to find a more power hungry person. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like so I mean much... he he doesn't
1: have much time left on this earth. And if he were to go and his kids were to take over type thing, and because they would obviously inherit all of his power and you know market share. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean
0: Ivanka's gonna be uh, pulling the strings. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's really no hope for any of that family. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like this, so that's the that's the method of immortality. That's kind of the secret. We the the secret is we are immortal through the power of our children, through the power of uh, uh, procreating and and being able to transmit our ideals and. Uh,
0: Right. Our beliefs our yeah. values
1: and, and I mean I guess that's kind of the the basis of a religion you know a religion is that it, it, except your family is huge and yeah
0: spans the a lot of that stuff so, that, that, yeah, so that's why that.
1: religion's almost immortal right a it's, it's a way
0: of of actually transmitting these tools right um, yeah among the community that is united that's that's another thing where you know as you say decadence is is completely endemic in our today's in today's society religion has much less sway over the ability to resist that decadence you know it used to be the case that religion was probably and philosophy right Seneca in terms of how he sees philosophy those are our best tools at resisting vices and hedonism But I think it's just so hard in an era where no one is told this, right? You don't get told this from any sort of reliable institution, right? School doesn't inculcate these lessons. Um, The workforce doesn't. No one tells you that, like, you're supposed to have your own sense of what you're doing, your own ideals, your own sense of the supreme good. And ultimately, there'll come a time where... I mean, hopefully you figured out that like it didn't really matter, and and you leaving this place won't really matter, right? You know, that's that's sort of what Seneca's getting at too. It's that these people have such a level of self-importance, as you said, where like the when they die, like the world ends or something. And so I think Eric Weinstein makes this point all the time, actually, where so many people, it seems like one of the symptoms of modern society is that very. Few people actually care about the world after they die, mm. and I, I don't know. And it, it's hard to. There are many causes for that, right? Reli- religion being far, being much more impotent is probably one of the causes, because religion, for all its faults, gets you to think about the world beyond you. Um, mm. But because of its obvious absurdity on the surface, so many young people who are just aware of just basic science reject it outright but then don't realise that they need some tools to deal with the fact that they're going to be leaving this place sometime, and that's going to happen, and it's necessary, and life is only enjoyed once that realisation sets in on the level that it actually does need to set in on so you can actually relax. Because there will come no... That's the thing as well. It's like so much of modern society, like no one knows how to fucking relax. It's like, (laughs) no, you can't put everything down because we're so... Hedonistically induced by all these, you know, the next meal, the next uh, beer, the next uh, jerk off, the next sleep, the next uh, like we're so thrown from vice to vice to vice. There's nothing left to do but just indulge, just ravenously and ferociously. And and no, and I'm not above this certainly, but I'm just saying that like <laughs> that it, yes. it, it is it is a, a kind of um, symptom of our modern culture that it's that it's very hard to uh, resist because everyone's doing it.
1: Yeah, well said. Um, there was a quote on it that sounds perfect for this. Uh, here we go. Many think that we Stoics are holding out expectations greater than our human lot admits of. And they have a right to think so, for they have regard to the body only. But let them turn back to the soul, and they will soon measure man by the standard of God.
0: Ah, there you go. Well put. So you know, if we're
1: okay, let's let's just kind of flesh that out a little bit. Yeah. Like if we're so consumed with our body, body and our physical presence only, our physical perimeters, if you will, uh, then you're really missing the point on on the fact of a on the on the components of a human, right? Like your body is just one thing, but it's almost like your soul is greater than your body because your soul has impact on your body. not as well, you know, um, depending on how you, how resilient you are, how, like, how you're able to take on adversity, you know, you're not going to be able to, I mean, this is why, like I take cold showers, like while we exercise, like why, (laughs) mate, the cold showers always going to come up every episode. Um, But yeah, this is why we exercise. This is where we put ourselves through pain in order to achieve something that's, greater. That's because
0: like you on the rack just in your cold shower. It's like, ah, love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And if I was so concerned just about my body, I would remove myself from that situation immediately. Right, yeah, yeah. Because that would be a very animalistic urge, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. that would be, wow, that is painful. That is shocking. I don't want that. I only want comfortable things. I only want to feel cozy. I only want to... Uh, really relish in my hedonistic ways. Yeah, it's uh it's something that it, it's kind of like we're listening too much to our feelings. We're listening, yeah, and we're taking our feelings for fact.
0: Yeah, and I think that that sums up a lot of problems, doesn't it? <laughs> like right there. <laughs> yeah, true. So true. And, and so to bring it back, you know, if you're <laughs> feeling like you're this sort of impotent, unconfident individual a lot of that's the feeling isn't it it's it's that feeling that's that's holding you back and insofar as exercising making yourself uncomfortable um you know resisting temptation in food making yourself uncomfortable right you're transcending those bodily just uh natural routines that you've that you've programmed from probably a young age when mum was feeding you fucking orange juice at three years old and making your brain all sugar crazy um (laughs) Right, because like you know, yes. who knows how about how, how far back it goes? You know, uh, well, that's it.
1: They, they they say that the first seven years of your life is basically the system and or the program in which you're you operate on for the rest of your life. Right, and that sounds dire and depressing because it's like, well, I had a shit first seven years, and now you know. But there is hope, and the only other way to reprogram your mind is through repetition, and yes. that's what I actually believe. Like you know. That is living that good life living uh, the examined life because um, if you're able to put yourself through uh, these these trials and tribulations you are able to see who you really are like how you react in these situations really shows you that you can handle anything and so walking up to uh, an attractive female specimen Mm. You are able to... That sounds so nerdy <laughs> and corny, man. But, yeah, that's, <laughs> You're able to realise that is just one thing. You know, what they think of me doesn't make up the entirety of my person. Right, right. How they react. It might be more of a reflection on them than it is
0: on me. It's funny because, like, I, I totally agree with all you're saying, but, like, the, the whole romance thing men and women it feels like that goes so deep like like there is some part of me that's like i, I hear you but on the same token it's like, <laughs> if you are rejected or or even the opposite maybe sometimes if you're you know you're so, someone's so attached to you um those are complicated those are those are so like there's so much depth to those emotions and and that's part of why i think maybe this person's struggling too is because the feeling of helplessness is also so powerful and like and and again, you know, in in an era where victimhood is rewarded, it's not it's not something that is appreciated, but also lovingly told to get over it. Right? That's not that's not the stage we're at. We actually reward victims. We we think that we, I mean, Jussie Smollett was the prime example of faking a hate crime so that he could be a victim. Right? Like so. So when that's happening, it's like well, we've gotten so far from the real virtues of what Seneca's talking about and in terms of actually being a strong, courageous character from within as opposed to seeking a victimhood status from others and having that be your source of confidence and courage and all the rest.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it,
0: if you're feeling unconfident, you have those feelings, the thing to get out of it is, as you said, do uncomfortable shit. Show yourself that you're not that thought, right? That's kind of it, right? Like in yeah. what you're saying. Yeah,
1: that's it. Prove to yourself so that you can almost... Uh, uh, meticulously unpro- Reprogram your mind into Understanding that your perspective Was jaded, it was delusional
0: right. and, and, and you're transcending your, The story that you were telling Yourself, like you're, like yeah. you are This, yeah, like, and I think A, a lot of human happiness seems to be um, The way we
1: Frame it, right, like yeah. the way we
0: Yeah, absolutely Yeah,
1: yeah even, even um, past experiences that were absolutely negative in the moment can be seen as a character building moment in your life uh, upon just the way you frame it just the way you look back on that and go i handled myself really well and there's nothing else i could have done and now i'm a stronger person because of it or something you know like
0: yeah 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 and you know this is not you know these ideas are not unknown to people who have genuinely had hardship that's the thing that's the thing i was referencing before where it's like you know probably if you've been in the military like these things are just second nature in terms of like having extreme discipline extreme you know there are problems that maybe come with a uh with a personality that is too rigidly disciplined or confined in particular patterns of behavior but the the essence of what it's about in terms of um transcending your story about yourself that you're only such and such you know those are the tools that get you out of it though it's being able to just like vigorously approach new and uncomfortable experiences that may be fearful that may be uh you know you just might feel like i cannot conquer this and and using the tools that you have and proceeding to conquer it is the source of like the greatest well-being in this life? It's it, and that's that's you know anyone that's done anything hard will tell you that. That and that's why I'm kind of again with Seneca. Surviving a, a very horrible experience can be its own source of well-being. So maybe mm-hmm. you know no one no one wants to say that they you know were, was were in the Holocaust or anything like that. It's a horrible fate, but to be able to be the type of person who got through that is its own source of like character. And yeah, so, 100%, and so yeah. to say that like well I'm, I'm to be stuck in the circumstances in the present and say well my you know my well-being is so bad i just need to off myself that seems like maybe it's it that's its own feeling that you're kind of uh buying into I mean, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily should be um insofar as conscious experience is still there that should be i mean this is the ideal of ideals but that should be enough of the source to you know pursue and when one is not mentally broken down i suppose but that gets into a whole other topic of like uh how the mind can break down under very significant stress right you know you could be the most disciplined person in the world but all of a sudden someone hurts you or hurts your family and you'd have no way to reciprocate that could be its own kind of soul-destroying thing right that's a horrible circumstance of being it's probably the circumstance that like a lot of north koreans are in where if they say anything that's like they don't clap loud enough <laughs> um then you know their family gets rounded up they get rounded up so it's not as if this is like uh an anecdote this is this is real life and you know to be able to survive those circumstances like there, there is something to be said about survival you know for so much of human history, it's just been about survival. You know, there's been no time mm. to muse over the good life. It's just survival. Um, yeah, I guess.
1: I guess. Yeah, the good life and like actually living as as opposed to existing is really just a, a new privilege in our <laughs> human history, right? Like, yeah. like you said, surviving was just the kind of expected thing, or well, not even expected. It was just like the the thing that was that they were grateful yeah yeah gratitude came from surviving and it's now our reward system we are existing and we feel horrible and we're we're allowing negativity well, well to, because how yeah. much of life
0: is spent just musing over purpose like what am i doing like because we're not chucking spears and 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 making fires right because that's this all is true. that's all we were doing before so and uh, hey to bring it back jobs that's
1: our that's our best way a really easy way to get purpose in life now is through a job, because it, it makes it feel like you're living for this, right? Right, and we're all looking for that, and and yeah, you know that's why religion's enticing in a way, right? Like, cause yeah, if you devote yourself to the church, that is your sense of purpose. You found your purpose, great, and then you oh know it's kind of like <laughs> it, it puts it puts those little chatters in yeah. your head to bed puts them to bed you know the chatter's in your head to bed chatter's in your head to bed (laughs) All right. is there anything else nicely done I think we I I think we touched on everything and uh, I hope uh, BSBT we answered all your your queries and you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) maybe we could do that more often we'll bring in a reddit post and we'll just like flesh it out heaps and
0: yeah helping out the redditors I mean they're all incels anyway so you know yeah, Got to give him a yeah. hand. No, I, 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 I have a weird <laughs> relationship with Reddit. I, I, do consider myself a redditor, but I, I, don't comment on anything. Like, do you, do you ever comment on shit or like, I, I the people who feel the need to say something about everything, I'm very suspicious of. Yeah,
1: yeah, look, usually I'm a lurker, usually I'm pretty silent on Reddit, and I just kind of peruse the comments, and, yeah. oh, yeah, this is what this person's saying. But a lot of the time, especially when the when the post is old, it's like, why would you comment?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's an old post, it's old news, or your comment won't be seen by anyone but the poster, and maybe he, he or she will just, like, ignore it anyway, so... But it's usually the new posts, I mean, sometimes... I like to comment on them. There was actually one recently that I, I found pretty interesting. I want, I want to get your take on this real quick before we before we wrap up. Okay. Uh, the post was on uh, the subreddit meditation, which uh, I hope that you're a part of. Maybe not. I don't
0: know. Uh, I don't think. Um, you know, I actually don't have a like a sub. I just go to all and just. Oh, mate, you're doing it wrong then. That's why
1: you're not into Reddit as much as I am, because you need to find your little clicks. You need to find your echo chambers. I don't know. This this one wasn't an echo chamber. This was not an echo chamber uh, example anyway. But the post is, uh, every human being wants the same thing. They all want to be at peace, to be happy. They They might think they want a better job or a wife or whatever, but they only want those things because they think they will be happy and at peace once they have them. Okay? Anyway, I, I, I agree with that. I don't know what, what your perspective is, but let me let me show you this. This is my comment on... wasn't a comment to the post, mm. but it was a comment to another comment. And this guy goes, Oh, don't generalize. Maybe they'll be at peace when they get those things. Maybe those are the missing pieces Also, some people want to see the world burn. Literally, there is evil Mm, out there. Unexplainable, random evil. And I said, I believe that the people willing to commit themselves to inflicting harm to others or themselves are lost. They have been misguided into believing that peace and happiness is only caused from violence and suffering. Many different circumstances can lead people to embody this belief, and it is usually through short-term and narrow-minded thinking. Even Hitler wanted peace and happiness, but he thought the right. way to such an idealistic state is through genocide and unnecessary violence.
0: Yeah, I'm mostly with you there. I, I think a lot of people misunderstand evil. Um, I think I think that's a much, and people get you know like people that haven't thought deeply about it will um, gasp at you saying that Hitler was actually interested in happiness, but he was, and he was genuinely trying to pursue it for him and what he thought of as his tribe, right? Um, so, yeah, and there are people that want to watch the world burn and, I mean, we've seen this probably more recently than ever in terms of, like, genuine outbursts in terms of streets, you know, saying, fuck this, right? We're going to break these buildings and burn this down and, and I mean, not... Uh, I mean, Joker was the biggest movie of last year, too. So there's, like, a very, yeah. a, a very real sense in which people feel that, that that kind of let's burn it all down. But I have to say, I agree with you that that comes mm. from a psych. The, the, the thing that summarizes it for me is that you just have to ask, do you want to swap pl- uh, places with that person psychologically? Like, let's say you're, you're, mm. you're a happy, mostly self-actualized person who has great relationships, who good friends, good things to do with your time. But do you want to swap places with that person who, who seems very content to inflict violence and, and burn things down? Well, no, because you realise that that person is, is consumed by their own sense of. Well, they're, they're consumed by a lack of meaning, right? They're consumed by yeah. their own detachment from other people, and the truth is, in turn, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say happiness. I would say we're all kind of craving a belonging, right? A, a kind of attachment to other people, like, and, and you're worse off. If, if you don't realize that you are within a social network and that social network not only can you influence but you're a part of it like it, it's 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 you you are you know your relationship to your mother or your best friend like it's not just it's not just how they perceive you it's like that's who you are it's like we're, we're so defined socially those social connections are so important to our identity and if you're so detached from other people that you're just willing to... Yeah, basically you confuse bitterness with intimacy or something like that. Or you can, you confuse detachment with intimacy. Or if you don't even have intimacy with anyone in your life, it's very easy to get put on that path of destruction. And destruction is another form of love in that way, where it's like, look at me, look at what I'm going to do. Um, it's a kind of attention-seeking and that's why, that's, to bring it back, like, Donald Trump is definitely interested in being happy. He's definitely yeah. interested in getting love. But look at how he's going about it. So is Donald Trump evil? I mean, if you want to use that word, I guess you could. But I would much prefer to say misguided. I would mm. much prefer to say, short. yeah, as you said, short-sighted. So, yeah, I yeah. mostly agree with you. I, I can't find much to disagree with what you said in terms of how you responded.
1: Yeah, I, I think, yeah, a lot of people just think there's this, like weird evil amongst, in the air, or, like, that it exists, like, it's, or something. like, Satan is among us, or something, I don't yeah. know, like, but, um, yeah, like, and it's really hard to prove that as well, like, that everyone does want peace, and, and meaning, and, like, because, say, for example, the person who burns the world down, like, how do you, it's hard to point the finger at, like, where he went wrong. Like, oh, um, he had adverse childhood experiences, right? Like, uh, that's the thing that caused him to do that, but it's not always so explicit. But, but it, it is in the sense... Usually subtle.
0: It is explicit yeah. in the sense, though, that they're... Like, they might tell... Like, you sit across some of them and they'll tell you, like, this is what I genuinely want to do. But you're aware that they are acting outside of their self-interest. Like, Essentially, they've become so consumed by the need to destroy or whatever, or the need for attention, that they have forgotten what is inherently in their self-interest as a biological social creature. So that's Mm. why I think you don't need evidence. It's just a matter of realizing that you're acting against your own self-interest. Like, you live in a community. Do you want that community to be safe and happy and well-off? Yeah. You don't want to live in a house with gates around it right you want to be able to walk outside but also you want to live in a like so let's bring it back to a more modular level like think about your house right you have a room now that room is in a is in a house with other people do you want to live in a house with other people where it's just all shitty and like no one no one knows how to talk to each other it's just like all that stuff like no you genuinely want to live in a family that is aware of those interests and and works together for the collective well-being you want to live in a community that's aware of that you want to live in a, a friendship group that's aware of that and if you don't have that then it becomes a question of maybe i'll destroy maybe i'll do that but it's yeah just, it's right. so obviously against one's own happiness
1: i i i'm easily
0: um oh oh sorry okay hold I, on sorry i yeah. cut you off but that's exactly it right so mm. like only when you've severed your connection to your fellow human beings are you able to do that. Like, like, and, and but, it, and admittedly, it's very easy to do in the kind of capitalist, faceless creature world we find ourselves in. It's it's very easy to dehumanize. But if you realize that by destroying the world, you destroy yourself, right? That's the point. So yeah. it, it just occurred to me to put it like that. So sorry. Um, no, definitely, and, yeah. and
1: I'm sure. Um, I think Seneca, or even Marcus Aurelius, has said something along the lines of. You know, you hurt a fellow man. You're actually hurting yourself. Right. Um, and yeah, if you have, I guess yeah, but like the nihilist will say, "Well, I don't care about myself, so why would I care about anyone
0: else?" Sure.
1: <laughs> so uh, see, see, yeah, if, see how that gets you. <laughs> see what that gets you. Yeah.
0: That, well, yeah, that's all you can say. If you can't, if you can't talk them yeah. out of it, then you just say, "Well, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that works out for you." But in terms of if you, it, the thing is, there's a difference between a nihilist or an anarchist that's sure of themselves and one that is kind of a little bit on the fence. There's a big difference, I think. You know, yeah. Like, you could pull someone back and, and, and argue with someone who was at least willing to reason about it, but someone who was just willing to burn it all down purely for the sake of their own interest in doing so those are the real psychopaths those are the people that the word evil should be reserved for are you going to call just people evil who just incidentally do something wrong but they're trying to do the right thing like that that word gets that word gets uh slippery doesn't it
1: it's true it's true and you know intention has a big part of that right if their intention was to do something right and good and they slipped up and they accidentally burnt the school down it's like (laughs) <laughs> should we should we castrate them for it? I don't know. Their intention was good, and they're human, so we should really factor that in. <laughs> I'm
0: trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think. What good action would it would it like try to um, start a, a bonfire at the school, a little campfire, and just burns it all down? And then I'm loving the fact that the punishment is somehow castration. Like we're in some fucking medieval fucking <laughs> public well, castration.
1: The, the, the teacher is uh, teaching the kids the safety of fire. And, you know, right. what to do around a fire.
0: And, I don't know, he slips over and, and trips inside it. And then... You know, it's funny that you, you mentioned that, because, like, the thing that we don't really talk about, though, too, is that maybe we could say, you know, all people just want to live a happy life, right? Most normal people just want to get by, just have a good life for their kids and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, we are a very sadistic species. Like, we used to, in the medieval days, there, there was this practice called breaking the wheel. Do you, know, do you know about that? Nah. Essentially like so so back in the days of like very public um tor- shows of torturing, right? Um I mean the Romans did it famously with like gladiators fighting animals and shit. Um but yeah, like in the medieval days too, they used to do this thing called breaking the wheel where they're like they would pull out this wheel and people would come. This is like a this is a communal show that everyone would come to watch. People would kill for like the best seats. They would like really this is this and this is how we kind of did punishment before we had the police right before we had a objective non biased uh, institution to defer our our more you know sadistic tendencies to instead of torturing this person to get our public relief we put them in jail and they serve their time. It's like it's different. It's not public, but they essentially used to. I can't describe it perfectly. So look up a video if you're interested in this, but. They used to get, like, a wheel and the person would kneel down and they would just, like, slam it against their back. Essentially just breaking all their bones and, and shit like that. Um, I mean, in The Last of Us, there was that scene as well where they, they called it clipping the wings or whatever. she Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, just horrific shit like that. And the, and the truth is we are very sadistic. Like, there's a, there is a part of us, especially in mobs, where we really enjoy watching people suffer. And... Maybe, maybe it isn't so simple in, in, in so far as we just say, like, everyone just wants to be happy and, and live good lives. Maybe there are people that just think that pain and, and sadism is, is actually the the thing worth pursuing and not creating a, a, a nice place where everyone can get along and share in the well-being. I don't know. Well,
1: I, look, I, what I would say to that is um, that those people that are enjoying the show of public humiliation and stripping of their dignity do want happiness and peace for themselves. They're not, they they are short-sighted in thinking that they are not aware of everyone else's need for peace and happiness, right? Like, as long as they are satisfied in that area, that's all that matters. And I think that speaks on our self-interest and our decadence more than anything else, right? Our, our tendency to fall into, uh, yeah, just decadence and self-interest. I, I mean, right. that that's my that's my opinion. And and you know, that's exactly, yeah. What there was what it was said in the Reddit post. It was like you know they might they might want all these things. They might want a new car, or the what that wife. They want might want to marry that person because, and these are all very uh, harmless kind of victimless crimes here, because it's like uh, they're not really, yeah, harming society in the way of burning down a school, like, like we were saying before. But, you know, that is at the very core of their intention, I feel, for a lot of us. So it, it could be all of us. I really don't know. And, uh, yeah, and if it's evil also very... is out there... Sorry? If evil is out there, then I guess... Yeah, I guess... uh Maybe that isn't true for all of us then.
0: Right. It's always going to be hard to do generalized claims about human subjectivity across multiple people. It's always difficult to... I mean, you could say impossible, right? Um, But insofar as we're talking about the right moral approach to the world and to other human beings, it has to be one of treating, er, treating other people like yourself like in terms of uh yeah genuinely developing that genuinely developing that moral character um it seems like also as well that the whole nihilistic uh impulse i feel like a lot of it is cowardice too it's a failure to recognize your inherent connection to all other human beings because (laughs) when when you go down that path you make yourself better than like I'm not these like basically the nihilist has a lot of uh, has a lot of time to say how disgusting and unredeemable human beings are, but they don't consider themselves a human being, right? Like they kind yeah. of so so it's a kind of a catch a catch twenty two um, cheekiness there um, that I think goes on. But um, yeah, there you go, a bit of moral philosophy there towards the end for you, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed our discussion of Seneca there. And if you want to look up his writings, there's tons of stuff online. Uh, we used mostly The the Tao of Seneca uh, by Tim Ferriss, who's collated a bunch of stuff there. So you look that up. He's also got audiobooks where he does that too. And Seneca's great if you've never done uh, any philosophy or stoicism. It's, he's very plain spoken. And so he's a fun read. Definitely check it out if you're interested. But that'll do us for today on this episode of Mate Dates. And we'll see you next time. No.